0: Welcome to Up in Your Business with Carrie McCoy, a production of flagandbanner.com. Through storytelling and conversational interviews, this weekly radio show and podcast offers listeners an insider's view into starting and running a business, the ups and downs of risk taking, and the commonalities of successful people. Connect with Carrie through her candid, funny, informative, and always encouraging weekly blog. And now it's time for Carrie McCoy to get all up in your business. Let's
1: try something new.
0: Ooh, okay.
1: And begin the show with a little game.
0: Oh, what kind of game? (laughs) See
1: if our listeners, (laughs) through a few clues, can guess who our interviewee is today. So here's the clues. She is an American actress who early in her career starred in Dazed and Confused, Conehead, and Mallrats. She is known for deflowering Bud on the TV show Married with Children. Mm
2: -hmm. See anything you like?
3: Did I do? (laughs) I think you're the most beautiful girl I've ever seen. Come be one with me.
2: What? I'm sorry, I didn't hear you. Did anyone ever tell you how much you look like the Keebler elf?
1: (laughs) (laughs) She danced with an angel, John Travolta, in the movie Michael, starred alongside Adam Sandler in Big Daddy.
2: What's your name? Frankenstein. Frankenstein, okay. There you are. There you are. Are you okay, buddy? I, I, I turned my hand for one second and he disappeared. Don't you ever do that to me again, okay? Don't do that. Thank you so much for being sweet to my
0: little boy here.
2: You're welcome, Sonny. Sonny? I, I think my sister Corinne is engaged to your roommate.
0: Your sister's Corinne? That sucks.
2: <laughs> yeah, I'm up from D.C. I was at that party, the, the one where we wasted the good surprise on you.
0: Oh yeah, sorry about that. Uh,
2: so, what, you have a son now?
0: I'm not really his dad. I'm more of a temporary father figure type until social services can get another
4: family for him.
2: At which point, you'll have to find a new way to initiate conversations with
4: girls in the park. Yeah, that's correct. Mm -hmm.
2: And had
1: multiple acting nominations for her starring role in Chasing Amy, including MTV's Best Kiss category for her lesbian makeout scene Mm -hmm. with Mm -hmm. Ben Affleck watching her from the side. (laughs) All the while, her co-star watched with a broken heart.
2: Now, I should apologize. I don't normally get all mushy in public, but it's been a while since I've seen Kiln here. You know what? I want to dance. Go ahead. I'll watch from here.
1: No, I want to dance with you. Who is this North Little Rock, Arkansas native? Drumroll. If you guessed Joey Lauren Adams, then you are correct. Over the last 30 years, Miss Adams has acted in over 40 movies and 20 TV shows. In 2006, this talented actress added to her repertoire of work by releasing her very own film, Come Early Morning, that she wrote, directed, and advocated for, starring Ashley Judd as the lead alongside the respected actress Diane Ladd. This full-length film was shot on location in Little Rock, Arkansas, and got picked up by the Sundance Film Festival. After watching Joey's years of work, On the aforementioned movie-making undertaking, it only validated what I have often thought, that actors, musicians, and other artists epitomize the entrepreneurial spirit. Successful artists like Joey, with their long careers, have tenacity, they're self-employed, they work hard, take risks, make big decisions, negotiate sales, money, and contracts, often travel a lot, and have fluctuating incomes. If that doesn't sound like an entrepreneur's resume, I don't know what does. After months of trying to pin down this busy lady, our day for visiting has finally arrived. It is with great pleasure I welcome to the table the talented, smart, hardworking entrepreneur and longtime friend, the American actress and director, Joey Lauren Adams.
2: Well, what an intro. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I've ever been called an entrepreneur before. So I was just. I'm gonna- flattered. Oh, good! Yeah. I was just gonna say, do you think of yourself as an
1: entrepreneur? No,
2: not at all. I watch Shark Tank, and That's like not- it never like I don't ever sort of think of myself there unless I'm like pitching my idea, which I have one for the Shark
1: Tank. Yes, yeah. so there you go. <laughs> She's always thinking. Full disclosure: Your aunt uh-huh. Kathleen King and I are longtime friends. In fact, we've been friends since the second grade. Mm-hmm. But. We're not going to talk about that. We're going to talk about your, I called you illustrious earlier, your illustrious career, because it is. Too many people think successful people are just born that way. But in reality, they have worked hard, they have conquered fears, and they have often grown from strife in their life. And that is certainly true for you. A rise to success can be messy, and the path like the character. Alyssa Jones, who you played in Chasing Amy, said... It's not always straight path. So let's start at the beginning. You probably don't remember our first meeting, but I don't really remember it either. But I've known you ever since I can really remember. But um, Because, like I said, your aunt is my good friend. Mm-hmm. And I came to your house because I think she was babysitting. Really? I do, for your mother.
2: It's funny because I don't ever remember Kathleen babysitting us.
1: Well, for some reason, she was at your house. Right. And I came over So And uh, I remember your house. I don't really remember you and your brother and sister that much, but I remember your house was kind of modern, had a sunken kind of den. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And a glass, big glass window. And I thought, this is the nicest, coolest house I've ever been in. Was your father in construction?
2: Yeah, he had uh, cash lumber. Oh. But he actually wanted to be an architect, and his father made him quit college and come take over the lumber yard. So he was sort of a, what is the word? There's a word for like a suppressed artist. Like, didn't really get to do, I think, what he wanted to do with his life. Mm-hmm. So he designed that house and then, you know, had the people, the connections with builders and the material, obviously, to build it. But no wonder it made an impression on me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was small, but it was really neat. So describe your life back then. I mean, it's a pretty storybook because we lived in North Little Rock. View maybe was the name of the elementary school I went to, which was walking distance. But actually like when all this whole Me Too thing came up, I remembered that like in first grade, my first kiss was stolen from me. By who? A kid named John Sandman who pushed me up against the portable and kissed me. And then he would also follow me home and like throw me to the ground and look at my panties. What? (laughs) Yeah. How old was this guy? We were both in first grade. Um, well, he's aggressive for a yeah. first grader. But it's just like you, you sort of think of it like, you know, I think of my childhood as idyllic. And then when things like, you know, the Me Too movement come up, you sort of look back and go like, oh, yeah, there were some not so great things. Do you know that it's just been going on longer than you sort of realized? And you just kind of, boys will be boys, <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, my mom was amazing. My dad was amazing. She was pretty much a stay-at-home mom. So, there was literally cookies when we got home from school, and then, like you know the neighborhood kids we would play kick the can and all of those games, so it was fun. We could ride our bikes anywhere we could I remember like getting lost, like going out into the woods and getting lost, which was amazing
1: really? you know, without being kidnapped,
2: yeah, yeah, and without you know like it being some sort of scary thing or you know or feeling a need to come home and tell my mom or. You know, you just got home by dark. Mm-hmm. When the streetlights came on. Yeah, yeah. So you come from a family of beautiful
1: women. And your father was very handsome. He was. And quiet. Yeah. And mysterious. Yeah. But he had a midlife crisis.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Like so many people I have interviewed on this show, that strife could have
2: possibly been what changed the trajectory of your life. How old were you? I think I was just starting college. Because I had been in exchange did it when I was seventeen, to Australia. So I was already wanting more out of life than what I saw around me. Did you, you go know. to Australia to be a to be an actress? No, I just went to get out, just to travel. And I didn't feel like our school, my school at the time, offered things that I don't. I don't. I just wanted to get out. I just wanted to see the world. I knew there were different people. I knew there were different things. Um, my aunt Kathleen was actually a huge influence for me because I don't remember her younger. And then she at 15, I think, went to Tulsa to be a ballerina. So I just have these memories of her coming home for Christmas and she would be, you know, have shaved all her hair off or <laughs> she was one exotic. year she was a vegetarian, which I had never heard of. And we were just like, you don't eat meat? <laughs> like, what do, you, what do you eat then? Like, <laughs> and one year she came home, she was so orange because she had been drinking so much carrot juice. And she would always bring. <laughs> well, too um, much
1: carotene in there. But system. she was
2: fascinating to me. Do you know she was out in the world? And, and again, like, it, it was just little clues that there's there's more going on than what's going on in North Little Rock, Arkansas. Mm-hmm. You know, and I didn't know. Like, I didn't know a lot of women who were, who had careers, really. And then I, my mom started working for her friend at a jewelry store, and I met this woman, Retta Wolf, who was a jewelry salesman, and she made like I think like two hundred thousand dollars a year, and had like a like two hundred thousand dollar expense account, and sold jewelry around the world. And I was like, I you they pay you <laughs> to go to Italy and sell jewelry like what, sign me up like what else is there that you can do with your life that I don't know about? And then. I had always, I think one of the biggest things for me was in seventh grade, for some reason they sent all the kids from sort of all surrounding neighborhoods to one school, so there was no one to play football against. So within this school, there were seven football teams, Central High. And so, because there were seven football teams, there had to be seven cheerleading squads. And... It, we had moved from the house you were talking about to a different neighborhood. And next door to us were two girls, Lindley and Cecily. And then there was my sister. And we were all sort of one year apart. So Lindley went and she was, I can't remember, maybe a raider. She'll kill me for not remembering. Um, and then my sister went and she was a uh, Viking maybe. And then Cecily went and she was a Viking. And it really was like, not. there was no like, will you make cheerleader? Because there were 17, like everybody, you didn't know anyone who didn't make cheerleader. Mm-hmm. And and like my mom had already bought my shoes that I was going to need and you go through the tryouts and it was just like, am I going to be like what Lindley was or what my sister was? And went through the auditions, went down to Central and they had the postings and it was just like, my mom and I just kept going back and like reading and reading and reading. It's like, I did not make cheerleader. <gasps> what? Yeah. <laughs> didn't know what they were missing it was pretty like and anyone who I think maybe at the time went to that school will know what I'm talking about but um and it was just kind of I know it's just a huge waco call it, it, it was just really odd like I just remember. So I'm sure this didn't happen but how like old were you people this might habit- have brought my mom food <laughs> do you know like <laughs> <laughs> how we old were you so in this habit- happened I was in 7th grade And
1: that didn't ruin your life on trying out new stuff I mean did that how you learned to be able to take rejection and take auditions I, I really
2: think it it because it really cuz then I had to go like because then if you weren't cheerleader during the class period that like all the girls would go do the cheerleading stuff I had to go to gym class and they gave us like this onesie Really humiliating outfit that we wow. had to wear, and I just thought, you know what? So I became like an office monitor. But it really was when I kind of broke from. And you're also like that. Like I was 12 or 13. Mm-hmm. Like it's such an awkward age yes, anyway. It's terrible. And and that kind of like it, it just broke me away from what I had been comfortable with. You know, it put me on the outside of what all my friends were doing. And that's when I really sort of got into acting. Like I, I had done it, you always been interested in it, but it's When you when, were in the
1: seventh grade?
2: Yeah. I really? mean I was acting in the church when I was little. Yeah. Like I was playing Mary Magdalene was my first speaking role in the church, so I've always played the whore. <laughs> 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 Misunderstood. Whore with a heart of gold. <laughs> That's kind a bad role. I kinda like I know, role. it was a great role. I love that. Um
1: so your dad leaves when you're in college. You make it through. You make it through high school. You, you graduate. You go off to college. Where'd mm-hmm.
2: you go? I went to Fayetteville for a semester. You went
1: to Fayetteville for a semester. You're doing fine. Are you studying acting?
2: So I had a plan. I was going to because I, I also used to sit in front of Mary Steenburgen's house <laughs> and think if she because she had do already it.
1: become a movie star. By yeah, you. and it's mm-hmm. like if she
2: can do it, I can do it. But then I was also like, what are the chances of two people from North Little Rock, Arkansas, making it? Yeah, very and, slim. Uh, yeah. Um, but it worked out. Yeah. So like when I got back from Australia in high school, yeah, I was then a senior and it was such a step backwards because in Australia, they, you only go to 11th and 12th grade if you're going on to college. So it was like open campus. You know, I studied play, you know, playwrights I'd never heard of before. I took a photography class. I mean, it was, they just offered so much more than what my high school had. But I did have a really amazing drama teacher in high school Mm -hmm. that was super encouraging. And so when I got back, it just felt, and it was, it was a step backwards. And I got really depressed. And then my brother was in a really bad car accident. So I got on the work study program so I could go to the hospital at noon and see him in intensive care. And I just wanted to quit and get my GED. Like I was just done with it. And I was ready to, I was gonna move to California and I was either going to, Go to the gemological Institute.
1: What an institute?
2: Gemological.
1: Oh, so you could be selling jewelry yeah. for $200,000 <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. a year and travel yeah. to Italy. Okay, um, got
2: it. Or be an actor. Like, I wanted to be an actress, but that was my backup. Or a or ge- One of the That other. was my backup plan. Those are As two good ones. acting didn't work out, I would go to the school. So I wanted to quit. My mom wouldn't let me. And then she, we made a deal that, like, I would try Fayetteville first semester. If I didn't like it, then she would be behind me morally in whatever I wanted to do.
1: And your dad's still at home?
2: Yeah, Everything's so, still
1: fine. Your family's still intact, except then, for your brothers had a car wreck.
2: And then I go to college, uh-huh. and it, I had worked at Cajun's Wharf on and off throughout my high school um, years. And the manager called me and said he had seen my dad with a woman at Cajun's. <gasps> so that's how I got he out. He you up and told you that? Of course. He's like a dear friend of mine. Boy, he's brave still. soul. He's I mean, we brave were very close. Soul. We were very, very close. Yeah. Um, uh, still are to this day. Um, Did you tell your mother? No, my mom and dad came to see me. They came up for like a game or something. And we were at a restaurant and I took my dad outside because I felt so mature at the time. Because mm-hmm. I had been to Australia and like <laughs> was going to California. And I just said, look, I understand like if you're not happy, I understand marriages don't work out. But you need to tell my mom. And uh, he wrote me a letter kind of trying to explain. And I I mean, I understand I totally understand, and more so now, like, why he did what he did. Um, why? Because, like I said earlier, like, his dad had, um, like, had he, he was not allowed to choose his life path. I got and had, he really was an artistic, like, that's where I get my artistic self from. And he had been forced to come run this lumberyard, and he wasn't really, I, I don't think... He was a great businessman, but he also wasn't interested in being mm-hmm. – he wanted to do architecture, which he was amazing at. He designed the other house we lived at. Um, I saw the plans. I mean, that was his passion, and, and he was not allowed to do that. And his dad was, I think, abusive and would mm-hmm. put him down at the lumberyard in front of, you oh, know, all the no. other, like, you know, those good old boy men mm. that would um, – and mm. I just think, you know, he was – not happy with himself, and and mm. you know, found it difficult to love himself. And then it's always hard to love someone else. Yeah, and you then can. next, it was like it was. I think it was. I mean, I know he loved my mom with all his heart. Um, yes. it was just an escape. I think with someone else, he could be. He could tell her, you know, what he wanted his story to be.
1: So they got divorced.
2: Yes, and because then already- about, I went home because I. Like, you know, I didn't even try at Fayetteville because I knew I wasn't staying. So then I went home and worked three jobs to save $1,000 to move to California. And so while I was there, things were kind of falling apart. And then I moved to California. And uh, they used to have these parties in the daytime. and Because I moved to San Diego first. Because my mom knew. My mom's friend had a friend that I could stay with. Uh, until I found a place because my mom was like you don't know anyone in LA yeah start Stay I didn't with have a, I didn't have a car I, I mean I had a thousand dollars when I left and naive and <laughs> and hard yeah mm-hmm. and so I lived in South Mission and they would have like these daytime parties and so I had had a few cocktails and then went home to get a sweater or something and my mom called and I had been talking to her but it was just like she was so miserable and I was like Mom, It's so great out here, you know. You should really come, you know. You could start a new life and like, not thinking she would, <laughs> and she did.
1: Your dad's gone. She's living alone. Are you the youngest? Yeah. So you're the so you're the last baby. She's uh-huh. in her house by
2: herself. She's been uh-huh. a stay at home mom all her life, mm-hmm. pretty much. She worked for her friend at Kate's Jewelry for a right. while. Yeah. yeah.
1: It, it, uh, so she just says, okay,
2: yeah. And so I had a studio apartment, so she moved out to my studio and like you were I mean, like sisters it was after. like uh, it was such a like you're cramping my style cause I had just like hear that mom is she listening she knows but it was I mean it was fun cause like cause my dad had lost cause at that time like Home Depot and everything had started my dad lost oh, that's the gotta be yard, t- yes cash so cash lumber he couldn't. lost the business so you know she didn't have any money I was working I got a job serving appetizers in a bar and uh, and there was, like, one credit card that worked, a Sears credit card. And so we went on a shopping street. Because when I first got there, like, a friend that I made at the restaurant took me aside and said, we need to go shopping. Because I showed up for work at the Old Ox my first day. Because I was a hostess first before I was serving appetizers. And I had this, like, like strapless, like, um, really large, like, pastel floral like tight-fitted bodice within three tiers of fabric with twisted beads. Do you remember those? Like oh. the three, you could do three colors to match what you were wearing and white pumps. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't even have anything to say about that. <laughs> and she was like, let's go shopping. So, so when my mom came out, I was like, mom, we got to go shopping. So we took the credit card and went to, Se- to Sears. And did a little shopping. Spree. And that credit
1: card was still on dad's account yeah, back in November. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's my girl
2: right yeah. there. Mm-hmm. Um. And so then, yeah, I mean, it was just like, I remember one day, like, there were five, had, we had $5 between us. And my mom was so worried. And I was like, Mom, I'm working tonight. I'm going to get like $60 in tips. Oh, like, we're to fine. To be young, I to know, be young, right? and to
1: just yeah. have the world in front of you and to mm-hmm. not worry about anything. I love it. So, how did you?
2: get your first gig as an actress. Um I like once cuz my mom moved out and then once I felt like she got a job she was good I moved then I moved to LA and I was so naive but I like wanted to get and it was just like you just it's hard to even imagine now but like like now if you see Jennifer Aniston in a pair of jeans you can get them. Do you know like there's a there's a tangible mm-hmm. Like the world is smaller. Oh but yeah, it the didn't have the internet back
1: then. When like you were there. I didn't
2: know the name of agencies. Do you know, like William Morris? Like a lot of people will know what that name is, mm-hmm. or you know, and they know, like Harvey Weinstein. They know that name, yeah, even before you know the whole thing. Oh. But people, people knew his name. Yeah. A lot of people who who really, know that family. long ago. I mean, when it all happened, it was such a big story because people did know who he was. Oh, there you go. So how did you find an or did you get an agent first? No, I like. Tried and tried to get into the business, and I just kept meeting a lot of really sleazy people who, like, I would go to their house, and they would Uh have a stage set up, and I would read sides, and then they'd be like, that's great. Take your clothes off. You're going to be famous. Let's go to dinner. Then what are you going to do for me? And uh, I went through several of those and then met once someone who had been like, who was it? Um, Linda Evans, manager, I think. And and I really believed him, and then he took me to dinner, and he was like, what are you going to do for me? Oh. And I was like, whatever it takes, Jay. And I, like, rubbed on his leg, and I was like, let's go shopping tomorrow, and t- then tomorrow night we'll have an amazing evening. And then you didn't do it? I made him take me to Fred Siegel, which, if you know LA, it's like a really, really, really expensive store in LA, and bought, like, cowboy boots and a dress and a Mickey Mouse watch. That's how young I was, and, like, what I liked. And... Uh, And then what? I didn't go. And his secretary started calling me. Said you owe us something. She's like, you get your butt over here. And I was like, I'm not coming. She was hooking
1: him up. She was his pimp.
2: Yeah. And then then he finally called me and he was like, you get over here. And I was like, I'm not coming. And he said, you will never work in this town again. And I said, if it takes sleeping with old men like you to work in this town, I don't want to work in this town.
1: Did you hear about that all the time? Yeah. You have a story. There it is right there.
2: I mean, you hear that all the time. Yeah. Then I met an artist, and he was leaving in a month to go live in Bali to do a sculpture, some sort of sculpture piece. And so he left me a couple of paintings, and he said, if you can sell them, buy a ticket and come see me. So, what? so I sold art. You sold art?
1: <laughs> I was selling those. And and like, I can't believe you don't think of yourself as an entrepreneur. This is so entrepreneurial. Working and applying and going and doing through hook and crook. Right. It's
2: really amazing, Joey. I mean, think like looking back, now, like you said, it's like I could never do that now, but like when you're young and uh, like even like following some guy to Bali doesn't sound appealing to me now. But at the time, you know, we didn't have like. He left, and I had gotten one letter from him that said he was at Simon's in Ubud. That's the info I had. <laughs> like, come if you can. I'm at Simon's in Ubud. And so my mom was dating this guy who was trying to get rid of a Norman Rockwell collection. No, that is so, not true. Yes. So I called the, like— No, that ja- is not true. Yes, so I called the Japanese Business Association in L.A. and got, like, all their numbers and, like, hand-typed letters, like, to every one of them and mailed them, like, trying to sell, like— two of James Mather's paintings in a Norman Rockwell collection. Did you sell uh, them? No. But I did end up selling like one of his paintings and got a ticket and bought him some paint and literally like flew halfway around the world and landed in Said, I hope he picks Bali. me up. No. He didn't even know was, like when I was coming oh, or there were no there Lord. was one phone in the town at the police department. Like so I flew in to Dimpasar and then got in a cab and just said booed and the cab driver started driving and we drove for like an hour up into the mountains and it was like 10 o'clock at night and and I was just kind of looking for anyone to say like Simon do you know Simon and then finally someone like pointed and I walked up the stairs and into this you know Balinese kind of style house and there was a Balinese man there and I was like, do you know James? James. And then I saw some of his art. So I knew I'd found him. Mm-hmm. And he was like, you know, he'll be back. He'll be back. And I said, no, where's the nearest bar? And he was like, you know, across the street. Boy, did you Bush. need a drink by yeah. now. <laughs> and it was a really small little town. And then, like, I'm walking up the stairs. Like, it's on this little hilltop. And I'm walking up the stairs. And I start hearing, like, really faint, faint, um, like, old, old blues music. What? Yes. Yes. And I had felt like toilet paper, like not knowing what Why, I was walking why'd into. Why would you have toilet paper? Because I didn't know. Just in case. I didn't know like what. Again, you couldn't so go online. You don't and say, care like, dude. that you
1: can't talk or you don't know if he's coming, but you
2: got your toilet paper. Yeah, prepared. <laughs> <I'm> <laughs> <Okay. laughs> At least for a few days. Yeah, and then I walk in the bar and and I like t- saw someone. It was this really small little bar, and um, I thought I saw James, and it wasn't. So then I went to the bar bar and ask the bartender like do you know james and then i hear joey and he was like standing right next to me and i was like oh i'm here <laughs> I how found long did you stay you? there four months joey
1: people can't even relate to that story unless you lived before the internet I know, and cell phones I know. they don't understand that we just went out on fate i know and i look back sometimes and think wow i'm alive yeah,
2: and I'm also like... You're alive still. I know, I know. But I also feel like blessed to have lived in that time, you know, where you could do so. I mean, it was such an adventure. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Uh, you know fi- like finding him was i can't believe like i did this <laughs> and like sold a painting and well, got here i can't here believe and, i
1: even got ready for the show and we've got stories <laughs> like that to tell i mean why do we even have to why am i even here those are just <laughs> fabulous i just want to tell her before we go to before we go to the next uh, story that you're listening to up in your business with me Carrie McCoy and i'm speaking today with director of come early morning and actress of over 40 movies and 20 TV shows, Miss
2: Joey Lauren Adams. All right, you're in. Well, do you come back to L.A.? We come back to L.A., and then, um, and I was still, like, interested in acting, but I was also just kind of, like, caught up in, you know, this relationship. And then he got a job doing the paintings on a film in New Orleans that Nick Cage was going to be in. And Nick Cage was playing an artist, so James was going to do the paintings that they used in the film. So they, the production, put us up in a great apartment in the quarter in New Orleans. Yeah, is that
1: where you met Kevin?
2: No, Smith, no, the no, director. No, no. no. Okay. that was much later. Um, okay. But that's that's where then, like, I remember seeing, like, I would, I was like baking like biscuits for the crew, you know, and taking it to like in the morning, taking the mm-hmm. food and just going to set and like. It was the first time I was able to be on a set and see what it was like. And, and I just remember thinking, like, I, I know I could do this. I know I know I could do this. You know, I was watching the lead actress, and the, the writer was a female writer who was super cool, really, really smart and amazing. And I became friends with the producer, and his girlfriend at the time later became his wife. And so they left. We stayed in New Orleans for a little bit longer. But then when I got back, that producer called me, and he said, I want you to go meet a casting director. She's casting this show, and I think they're having a hard time, and I just I want you to go meet her. What show was that? It was Parenthood. Were you so, in Parenthood? No, I didn't get it. Oh, I, I was about to say, I didn't see that. In no, your... but I, I went and met the casting director, and then she said, you know, will you come back and read? And, of course, I'm calling my grandmother, like, everyone. Like, I'm going to read for a <laughs> casting director. And And then I went and read, and then it just, like, it was the most nerve-wracking experience because it's like I was nervous to just go meet her. Then I had to go and read for her. And I think the first time I met her, she had me read a scene from um, Mystic Pizza. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and so I did that. So then she was like, okay, here's the real sides, and I want you to come back and do a real audition. So I did that, and then you wait to hear. And then she's like, okay, I want you to come and read for the producers. So then I went went and read for the producers and then like the producers, you know, a couple of them wanted to have like a private like work with me. And I think they I think they were attracted to me because I was refreshing in that. Like they were like, you know, what have you been doing? And it was like, you know, just did this play. It was like I've just been come from Bali in New Orleans and they were like, Australia and and Arkansas. Right. um, And so it just kind of kept going on and like calling back and then waiting and then. I think they're going to test you, like all network shows, they usually have like three people come read for the like suits, the mm-hmm. network. Mm-hmm, the suits. Because you have to have your contract negotiated before you go in Did and Did you read. have an agent? Well, then I was able to get an agent because I tested for the series. So I went saying, this is my first audition and I'm testing for network. So I was able to...
1: Do they assign you an agent?
2: No, I, I met with a few and just decided which I think was smart at the time, but like to go with a smaller agency. Yeah. Because of course, like all the big ones were like, yeah, we'll sign you. Like, yeah. um, Who cares?
1: We'll just throw you in with the pack. Yeah, exactly.
2: And so I went with a smaller one and a woman. But you didn't get it. I did not get it. How
1: did you handle that rejection?
2: It was hard. It was really, really. A lot of people quit after that. They're like, okay, that was too hard. I've got to quit. I don't like everyone had been so nice in the process. Like I felt like I had done good. Like I felt like I don't feel like I made it to network and then uh, like lost it.
1: Where do you find this courage? Think about all the stuff you've done. How old are you now? I mean, then I was twenty-two. How do you buoy yourself at twenty-two? How do you keep that drive? Where did that drive come from? I don't. Know. Are you trying to prove something? No, you just wanted I mean, to. It it. You just wanted like, out of where you were. But
2: I think like I, I do think that like. Because I wasn't good at like algebra and I wasn't good at certain things, and like the the casting director's name was Jane Jenkins, and she was like a big casting director. And you had to have a job. Well, no, it was the validation. Like I did good. Like I went and met with her, and I read a scene from Mystic Pizza, and I did good. And you, you know, and it was I hadn't heard a lot in my life. You did good. You're good at that. I hadn't heard that. The only place I'd ever heard it was like from my acting teacher in high school, and. Mm. And then this, you know, mm-hmm. so it felt it felt good to be told that and to mm-hmm. be told you're good at something. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then like when I went and read for the producers, like I did a good job mm-hmm. and I made it my first audition to network. So I wasn't. But you
1: did finally get on TV. I think
2: that was your first Yeah, gig. like a m- month later, you know, and again, like you go and you're just told no, you're told I mean, you, you're told your boobs aren't big enough. You're told you oh, at the time you were gosh, told. like no. know. They tell you that all the time. You can feel it when you walk in the room. Mm-hmm. But I went and auditioned for the show that was going to be a spinoff of Married with Children. And I was sitting in the hallway and I was just in a good mood. Okay. And this, so this guy walks down the hallway and he looks like like he could be the delivery guy. Like he had on like baggy kind of ripped jeans before that was popular, like really stringy hair, and just this, like, stretched-out T-shirt, and he had, like, a Coke, and he, like, he's walking down the hall. I said, like, hey, how are you? And he stopped, and he looked at me, and he's like, I'm good, how are you? And I was like, I'm good, I'm about to go to audition for the show, you know? And then when I walked in the room, it was Ron Levitt, who had created Married with Children and was the creator of the show. And he was like, hey again. And my audition was one line. What was it? You know I don't like boys, Mama. (laughs) (laughs) Well... Really I, don't, I watched that I was show. playing I, don't I, was, that. I was playing like a fifteen year old or something in the show, oh okay, yeah, um, and so I you know, so I got that job, I think because I had said hey to him in the hallway when most people were kind of like, You, who's that <laughs> um, and then yeah, then it just sort of uh, and then you get the chasing Amy gig. This. Years later, yeah. Oh, was it years oh, later? Oh my god, yeah. How long? I did that show. It's called Top of the Heap. Benny, how old were you when you lost your virginity? <laughs>
4: um, I didn't lose it. It was stone.
2: <laughs> Come on, this is important.
4: I was exactly the age you should be when you lose yours. Six sixty. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I'm Mona, you have friend the Vinny's? No, Bobby's, he invited us over. Then they revamped it with just, because it was like Joe Bologna, Matt LeBlanc and I, then they revamped it, and then I did Dazed and Confused, was the first big film. So and you so, did Dazed
1: and Confused, yeah. Conehead, and I Rats. Those I were didn't. all different directors?
2: Yeah. Really? Dazed and Confused, and then, and then I did... This film with James Caan. and then Jim Jacks was saying that there was this movie. You have done Mall so Rats. many
1: movies, you can't even remember. I you know. probably haven't even seen them all. So then Jim Jackson. Now this had is 1993. Produced... You just did the program,
2: mm-hmm. and you didn't do Chasing Amy till 1997. Yeah, so you're right. 90, we may have shot it in 95, and it came out. Maybe. You must have, because I
1: saw Michael
2: with you dancing with mm-hmm. John Travolta. Michael was just one of those jobs where it was like, all I had to do was sit in John Travolta's lap for three days and eat pie and then dance with him. And that's when I was like, this is a pretty good gig.
1: (laughs) Is he really cute in person? He's so nice.
2: I've always, he, you know, I don't really fan over movie stars, but i kind of over him. I know. We grew up, like, singing, like, the Grease songs. And... I
1: just watched it again the other day with my granddaughter. It's a great show yeah. for yeah. teenagers yeah, yeah, if yeah. you haven't seen yeah. it. So, yeah, Chasing Amy actually came out before, in the movie theaters, I think, before Michael.
2: Because I feel like I did Michael before Chasing Amy. So, let's Amy. talk about
1: Chasing Amy. That,
2: I know, is Kevin Smith. Mm-hmm. He, he says and he, he did wrote mal- it for it. you. He did Maura. So, I, after... Because Jim Jacks, who worked, because they were both Universal films, so Jim Jacks, who had produced *Days and Confused*, brought a lot of people back into audition for *Mallrats*, and that's a whole another long story that about rejection and like I didn't get the part originally
1: in *Mallrats*.
2: Yeah, did you get a different part? No. Oh, you didn't eventually get it. No, they gave it to Parker Posey, who was staying with me at the time because <gasps> we'd become friends. Which with a <laughs> and I started right there. crying. You know, she's like, what's wrong? And I'm like, I'm not getting the part. They're giving it to you. But then she couldn't do it. And then uh, it was just awful. And then finally, like, they called and were like, okay, they do want you.
1: Did Kevin Smith write Chasing Amy for you? He says he did.
2: He had a version of that film um, that he wanted to do after Mallrats that was more like a, it was going to be a studio film. It was going to be kind of John Hughes- and I think, like, there were going to be high school kids who maybe one was lesbian. And then I was going to be a teacher and Ben Affleck. We were going to be teachers somehow in it. Like, it was a different sort of film. And then Mallrats came out and tanked. And that really threw Kevin for a loop. And you and, were dating him now. Yeah, we had started dating. And you brought him home for Christmas. And, yes. Is that a story? Or is that not a story? It's not.
1: It's not a good story?
2: Well, it's a good story. And like like, he... He gave really funny Christmas gifts. <laughs> he's funny. I mean, he's he's funny, and I mean, my family loved him. He's a really like sweet, funny guy. And so
1: he also uh, dogma. He mm-hmm. wrote also for you, mm-hmm. and you were going to be the lead in that, but you two broke up because I think you started dating Vince Vaughn.
2: No, no, no. Um, Why did you break? It wasn't all around in that same bro- area. Well, because. I mean, it's complicated. So, when um, you
1: make your next movie, is it going to be about your love life? No. <laughs> <laughs> no. It would be a long and winding
2: be. It road. Would. It would definitely. <laughs> yeah.
1: All right, chasing Amy. That role was so big and so huge, and was probably a B movie, but you got so many accolades for it, um, and you got nominated for the best kiss. With a woman, and
2: for a Golden Globe,
1: Best Actress, in a, yeah. in a, in a picture, musical, or comedy. Yeah. yeah,
2: that's wonderful. It was crazy. Is
1: that why you ended up? I saw you on uh, the Tonight Show. Was it after Chasing Amy that you got on the Tonight Show?
2: Probably, yeah.
1: And was that with Jay Leno? Yeah. Was he the Was he the host at the time?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, what I remember about that. Your agent picked your dress.
2: Oh, really? <laughs> Do you remember that? Uh-huh.
1: And you didn't like it. <laughs> I and mean, I could tell through the whole interview, you were. Like, I like hate this. <laughs>
4: <laughs> My next guest is a very talented actress who's been getting great reviews
0: for her role in the film *Chasing Amy*. It's in theaters right now. Uh, please welcome Joey Lauren Adams. Can I uh, want to pin that on there? Well, good to see you. Nice to see you. Terrific yes. actress. You know how to make a girl feel comfortable. Oh yes, yes I do. I said, well it's a, it's a great dress. Did Thank I make you, you uncomfortable? No, You know how to make a boy feel horny. <laughs> oh okay. See, I'm not so bad now, am I? No, 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 no,
2: no, no. You're tame.
0: Thank you. Now you're from where? You're from Arkansas, all yes, right? Yes, I am. <laughs> show business family?
2: Um, actually a very prestigious show business really? family. Really? Yes, my uncle was on GHA.
0: Oh, so
2: Grady Nut. Oh, oh he was Grady Nut. He was
0: grady un- nut. Wow. Your director actually worked with him. Wow. Well, uh-huh.
2: there
1: you go. Uh-huh. So let's talk about the life as an actress. Mm-hmm. It's, it's seems, it seems and sounds incredibly stressful.
4: It yeah. It How is.
1: do you prepare for all the roles? You've had forty films, twenty movies. You have to memorize all mm-hmm. those lines.
2: How do you prepare for a movie? It depends on the film. Like with Days of Confuse, we had. Uh, Several weeks of rehearsal before the film, and Rick was very kind of open to letting like Parker and I wrote scenes nonstop because Rick was like improvise, do whatever you want, and so we would write scenes, and he would say, "Yeah, I'll shoot that," or "No, I don't want to shoot Which that." Which movie is this? Dazing a Fuse, the very first film oh. I did. So that kind of like spoiled me to some degree because the next film I went and did, like I wanted to change a line, and the director was like, "Shut up!" and walked away. You know, like. <laughs> And I was like, oh, there's two. And then Kevin is like, you can't change one syllable in his writing. But on Chasing Amy, we rehearsed. I mean, because that was an indie film that we did a lot of, like, just masters of the scene. So there was no cutting. You did what? Like, just a master. Like, so there wasn't, like, we can cut the performance together. If you mess up your line, that's okay. We're going to get it in a close-up. No, but You know, like, we would have to be able to get through an eight-page scene without messing up. And to the performance level. That sounds so hard. It was It was difficult. Um, is it invigorating? Do you love it? That's yeah, why when you, you do? nail it, you know it's it's amazing. Yeah, but we have? rehearsed a lot, you know.
1: This is such an intimate thing that you do with all the it's actors that you've performed with and you've trusted and you've been on screen with and you've got this intimate relationship with them. I always think about that when I'm watching these films of people working together. I'm thinking about how much trust must goes into that. Do you make long term friends out of that or? Yeah, relationship that
2: happens after
1: some Yeah, you've done I mean, younger. Somebody? I
2: think we did more so than people. Like, you get older and people are married and have kids and a wife and whatever. Um, but it really is kind of like it's 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 very much like summer camp or I thought like the circus. But it's like mm-hmm. you. It is like you get close with people very quickly and. Like if you were on a football team, I kind of imagine it like that. Like if you're on a really good football mm-hmm. team and you win the Super Bowl or something, but mm-hmm. it's it's when you all get together and and you become bigger than the one person. That to me is like very godly, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. And but it's it yeah. Mm-hmm. Um and that's what I really enjoy about it. But you you form these very intense kind of abnormally close relationships in a short amount of time but then like I remember the end of days and confused like it was a Parker and I were sitting in a tree and she was talking and she was like it's so bittersweet and I was like that's the first time I've understood the meaning of that word Mm. you know it Mm -hmm. was that I mean it was exactly you're tired ready for it to be over but but it's yeah and and then like you know you you just sort of get used to it and then you know that like you're gonna get really close with these people and then you probably We don't ever see them again. You may you may not. If you do, it's great. If you don't.
1: Would you recommend that acting career to somebody today? Yeah. You would? Yeah. You think it's better or or worse than it was when you started off?
2: It's just different. How's it different? You know, Um, because now, like, fame is a different thing. You can be an influencer. You can have a YouTube show, which, you know, there's a lot of freedom in that. Like, you know, when I, like was trying to be an actress you had to go to la
1: do you still have to have an agent
2: it helps but like now you could like if you want to start in acting you could go to atlanta because most tv shows cast but when i started there was like abc cbs nbc and fox that was it that was it those were the only people making tv shows you know and now there's a gazillion tv shows so any show that shoots in atlanta like they're kind of You know, like if you're just starting out, the parts that you would be auditioning for, they cast local. They're not going to fly someone from L.A. and put them up in a hotel and rent them a car and to cast someone who has like six lines in a Mm -hmm. show. So there's a lot of great agents in Atlanta, but you can also just go out with, you know, your phone and shoot something and edit it on your computer i'm telling you it's crazy it's crazy Yeah.
1: all right let me tell everybody you're listening to up in your business with me Carrie mccoy i'm speaking today with the actress and film director miss joey lauren adams you are also a director
3: Mm
2: -hmm.
1: come early morning is your movie i went on the set while you were making that movie (laughs) it is grueling i could never be in that business it's slow going and you work grueling hours yeah. You work from sunup to sundown. Well past sundown. Yeah. For three months. Solid. So you wrote that script, you directed it. Did you help find the cast members? Yeah. You know, we don't have long, but I know did you go to Clarksdale, Mississippi? Or Clarks is it Clarksdale, mm-hmm. Mississippi? Did you write it down there? No. So you came back and um, you, your location was in Little Rock, Arkansas for the film. And then I came out and watched it. In Sundance, and I got really upset and started crying really bad.
2: I think I'm gonna cry again right now. Oh.
1: And uh, it's because it reminds me of
2: your family. Yeah. Well, they say write what you know, so that's what I did.
1: Was that cathartic for
2: you? Very, extremely cathartic. It was when I was able to finally forgive my dad. Mm-hmm.
1: In the movie, I can't remember if your dad was past when the movie. No, he was, was
2: there. He was still there. Yeah, which was a little weird. You know, cause I just wondered, did he, like he came to the premiere, we did one here in Little Rock and he came and brought me flowers and, and I know that he knew, but the whole movie is about, it's, again, it's like, to me, like the Bible says, I am the truth. Jesus says, I am the truth, you know, I'm the way and the light. So to me, that's where God exists. Anything could exist in the truth. And uh, so that movie is all about the truth and, uh, there's a scene you probably remember where Ashley goes to his house. Like she's so frustrated and she wants to talk, and he just plays guitar for her. And I remember writing that, and I kept—I mean, I wrote so many versions of that scene. Of this is what this is what the dad would. This is what the dad's going to say, and it was all the stuff I always wanted my dad to say to me, you know. And mm-hmm. I would, and I kept when it kept not working and not working and not working. I kept thinking it's the writing, I, and I worked so hard and so hard. And then I was finally like, "You idiot." Like, you've created this character is based on your dad who doesn't talk. Like, of course he is never going to happen, and you have to let him be who he is. And that is living in the truth, and it set me free.
1: Well said.
3: Hi, I'm Ashley Judd. Welcome to Unscripted. I'm here with my current director, Joey Lauren Adams, with whom I made the independent movie Come Early Morning. We're at Sundance, and we're going to chat with each other and take some of your unscripted questions. First and foremost,
2: uh-huh. what did it feel like to write your first movie? <laughs> what did it feel like? And if you want to um, put a bullet in my head for asking you that no, question, go for it. No, no. I mean, obviously it felt amazing. Um, but I think because it took so long, it took five years to get there, that we were ready once we got there. Um, and it just happened so fast. But, you know, I think that I was blessed in that. You know, I've, I, as an actress, I've, I've been on sets that are difficult and worked with actors that are difficult. And, you know, th- we didn't have one difficult actor. The crew was amazing. So it really was like one of those creative flows that you get into that lasted, you know, 30 days, which was amazing.
3: Something I've heard you say a lot is that you got everything you wanted. Mm-hmm. After five years of trying to get the movie up and running, right. you eventually got the actors you wanted, the production people you wanted to locate, everything. And I would like to say it's because you deserved it. Thank you.
2: Thank you. (laughs) This is from Janet Sun in Memphis, Tennessee. What was it about (laughs) An Early Morning that inspired you to want to do it? Uh, You.
3: (laughs) The script that you wrote that was so fine and beautiful and simple but very deep And in a way, as I know I said to you in an email, I feel the blessing of having done the script, but the curse of now thinking that everything is utter crap compared to it. (laughs) So this is from Scott Moore in Oakland, California. Oh, I like this question. What surprised you the most about working with me?
2: Honestly, it was that you weren't a diva. Really? Like I, yeah, I wasn't. I didn't know what to expect because you're obviously a movie star, and you're sort of, you know, you were coming taking a few steps down to where we didn't have sushi at Craft Service, um, but you had donuts from Little Rock. We <laughs> um, And so I think I was just like, is she going to be comfortable in this environment and and working this fast? And then also that I was going to have to ask you to get in the river. <laughs> Do you know, and it wasn't like we had a bunch of money to net it off. We just sort of threw some dynamite sticks in and hoped the snakes went away. I'm sitting, this is
3: a shot that didn't end up in the movie, which uh-huh. I hope will be in something on yeah, the DVD yeah, yeah. that we can see sometime with your commentary. But I'm over in my bus, and I hear the dynamite go off. And I said, oh, they're ready for me. is <laughs> how we cleared the snakes exactly. out of the river. Exactly.
1: It's the end of the show. Oh, wow. That went fast. Will you come back? <laughs> I will. All right. We're going to gonna we're gonna broadcast next
2: time live from the Dreamland Ballroom. We're oh, going nice. to have a YouTube channel nice. Be
1: another year from now. Next time.
2: I know you've got another program. I know you've got another show you're writing. Evan, we just went right before COVID hit. We went out a week before everything shut down. We went out with my next script. Yeah. yeah, I know
1: you got something in the woods because yeah. you always, always do. All right. Okay, thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> I've enjoyed it so much. I have a present for you somewhere. It's a U.S. flag
2: nice it's a U.S.
1: flag an Arkansas flag oh, I was a, a Mississippi flag
2: and a you California lived in and a California I wonder why you had a California flag out. for you yay did you, live to, did you tell me before the show you lived in Tennessee no well, I was in Nashville working
1: no you for, didn't live there yeah. okay good I was about to yeah, say I left no. the state out so no, yeah no, you have no. got a flag for your desk yay. from everywhere you've been yay flag for thank everywhere. you oh you're welcome thanks so much for coming I want to tell our listeners thank you for joining me and Joy today we've had a great time thank you for spending time with us i know you've heard and learned something that's been inspiring or enlightening and i know whatever it is you heard will help you up your business your independence or your life i'm carrie mccoy and i'll see you next time on up in your business
4: have you ever thought about custom banners or flags or pennants to help advertise your business or maybe promote some kind of a project you've got going Well, if you need a custom item made just for you and your company, FlagAndBanner.com steps in to help with a free quote. They can make single flags for little league teams, or they can make 200 street pole banners for a downtown revitalization project. FlagAndBanner.com can do it all. On their website, you'll find a form. One of their experts will get back to you with a quote. They'll ask the appropriate follow-up questions about your project within one business day. And if you're not sure what you need, but you know what you want to accomplish, the experts can help you with that, too. Their phone number is 1-800-445-0653. Or you can just go to flagandbanner.com. Think about custom banners, flags, and pennants to advertise your business or promote your projects.
0: You've been listening to Up in Your Business with Carrie McCoy. For links to resources you heard discussed on today's show, go to flagandbanner.com, select radio, and choose today's guest. If you'd like to sponsor this show or any show, contact me, Gray, that's G R A Y, at flagandbanner.com. All interviews are recorded and posted the following week. Stay informed of exciting upcoming guests by subscribing to our YouTube channel or podcasts wherever you like to listen. Carrie's goal is simple to help you live the American dream.